That was the last we ever saw of that guy. <laughs> well, happy Mother's Day, ladies. Um, you know, Mother's Day is not always the happy occasion that uh, we try to make it. Um, a number of years ago now, I received a phone call in the middle of the night. Uh, late one night at least, approaching middle of the night. And it was from a grandmother who was in our church. And uh, she worked in the nursery, and so she had been keeping some of our children. And uh, we had developed a friendship with her and her granddaughter who lived with her, who was also old enough to be in the youth group that I was a uh, youth minister of at the time. But her granddaughter was one of those who was kind of not really in anything. She was just kind of there. And this phone call that I got in the middle of the night kind of underscored that. And she said that her granddaughter had been rushed to the hospital and wanted to know if I would go up and see her. I spent all of that night there at the hospital with her and her grandmother. And uh, I was in the room when that teenage girl delivered a baby. Nobody knew that she was pregnant. She had concealed that throughout the course of the pregnancy, and I know many of you are wondering if that's even possible, and you just have to trust me. Some of us suspected, but she was so out of touch with everybody that we just didn't know. um, So it was a difficult night, a difficult set of circumstances, and um, the reason that I was there. The reason she was living with her grandmother was because her mother would never make the Mother's Day Hall of Fame. This was a mother who regularly told her daughter, I don't like you. I don't want you. I don't know why I ever even had you in the first place. As we come to discuss kindness today as an element of love, you just have to know that this girl's mother had not a kind bone in her body, I don't think. As the night wore on and that child was born, a young boy was born to that teenage mother, I asked her, what can I do? I I was at a loss for what I could do to help this girl out once the baby was born. What can I do to help you? She said, "I, I need you to go catch my mother before she goes to work and tell her that she's a grandmother. I said, okay. She said, you should know that she has no idea that I was pregnant. I sat in my car in front of that house about 6 o'clock in the morning waiting for the lights to come on in that house. I had no clue what to expect from the mother except just pure meanness. How do you tell a mother, even one who is disconnected from their child, what had happened there? So I sat in her living room and broke the news to her and became the object of pent-up anger that was directed everywhere and yet nowhere. People have the real ability to be mean. We come to Scripture and we look at what Paul is saying to a Corinthian church full 
of mean Christians. And Paul interrupts a discussion on how they should be conducting themselves in the worship part of church, and he talks to them about how they should behave and how they should see one another. And the reality of the day for us is, and this is not a Mother's Day sermon for you now, it's just 10 minutes. That's all I've got is 10 minutes today, which means 40 minutes from now I'll finish probably. But uh, in, in a very short period of time, what I want to underscore is a critical element of what love is. And Paul says... Love shows kindness. Now, I know our English translation there, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, actually says love is patient and kind. But I told you last week that Paul writes these as verbs, not as adjectives. Love acts, love does, love shows kindness. Now, we don't always get the word right. I think it's one of the, kindness is one of those words that we hear and we kind of think, okay, I think I know what that means, but we never stop to think about it. It's kind of like the word vacation. You know, we think of the word vacation and that means that what we're going to go do and spend and be busy. Vacation means to vacate. It comes from the idea of the Old Testament word Sabbath, which means to make space. We don't always get what vacation means. We certainly don't always get what kindness means. And especially when it comes to love is kind or love shows kindness. is a rich word in the New Testament in the way it's used. Greek mythology used this word to refer to those gods. That's small g, right? Greek mythology. The pantheon of gods in Greek uh, culture was there were certain of these gods that they said were benevolent towards men. Some of them were just mean, but some of them were benevolent. That word came into secular use as the use tied to princes and rulers who were especially kind towards their subjects, and they would do things to help their subjects' lives be just a little bit easier. We get to the New Testament use of it, and Jesus uses it about God. That's in Luke chapter 6, and Paul uses it about the Ephesian Christians. That's in chapter 4, verse 32. But let me just pull it down because of time today and let me just use this as our working definition today. Love handles with care. Love handles with care. Maybe I should give a couple of examples of what that looks like. I said earlier, there are mean people, and church is not empty of those kind of mean people. In other words, there are lots of mean people even in churches everywhere. In southeastern Louisiana, a number of years ago, a professor at southeastern Louisiana University decided to run an experiment, one of those quantified kind of things to figure out, okay, how many people are mean, really? What's the percentage of the population of people that are mean? You know what he found? Here's the way they did it. They set up on some of the highways of southeastern Louisiana, they set up these fake turtles and fake snakes, and they would put them on the shoulders of the highways, and then they would watch and they would measure the number of people who would go out of their way to hit those things in order to kill the turtles and the snakes. You want to take a guess on what the percentage was of the mean people? 8%. Now, my crack statistician team in the early service, I tried to do the math myself and totally obliterated it. So some of our mathematicians came to me and said, no, no, this is what it is. Okay, so one out of every 12 people are mean So look at your row there that you're sitting on, and you can figure out if you're not the mean one, then somebody on that row probably is. You know, in that experiment, 
One truck driver, I'm sure it was not a FedEx truck driver, but one truck driver went across the oncoming lane of traffic to get into the shoulder on the other side of the road just to kill the turtle that was actually a fake turtle. You know, it's no, it's no great piece of new information for us. Some people are just mean. We don't have to do studies to figure it out. We know that it's true, but here's the sad thing. Some mean people take up residence in the church. Priest and I had a couple of friends. They were, a, they were friends and they were a couple. And they were a couple of friends for us. Right after we got married, those are hard years anyway, those early years of marriage, because, you know, things change and your circle of friends changes. And so this couple was going to the church that we were attending, and you talk about just mean and always fighting. This couple were always fighting with one another. I don't think they ever woke up happy, and if they were, the other one helped them get over it immediately. They asked us to go on a camping trip with them, okay? And so we decided that sounded like a good idea. Big mistake. The camping trip itself was hard enough because they were, you know, just nagging, nagging, nagging. But the four hours in the car with them to get to the camping place, I just, I was ready to jump out of the car. It was horrible. It was horrible. That's how they lived their lives. They were just nah, nah, always chewing on people. You know people like that? My suspicion is that there are people like that in every church. I know they've been like that in every church I've ever been a member of. So I'm just guessing. I'm playing the, playing the averages here. There's some people like that in every church. A couple of weeks ago when I was pulling this series together, a friend of mine who I believe is one of the great preachers of the next generation. This kid was in my youth group, actually, when I was in New Mexico. If ever there was an indication that God can take nobody and make them somebody, this is the kid. Oh, he was always under my skin as a seventh grader. He was a punk. That's just a bottom line. And God did a work in his life. And he is an incredible preacher of the truth. Brian Bailey is his name. Here's what he said. He tweeted this out a couple of weeks ago. Call me crazy, but I question the salvation of Christians who continually are bitter, mean-spirited, and unforgiving. Let me stop there before I finish it. Let me just let us wear that. And before I even do that, let me just encourage you to stop for a second and consider your experience in church. How many Christians do you know who are bitter people? Woke up every day looking like they drank a gallon of pickle juice for breakfast. How many Christians like that do you know? Every time they open their mouth, ugly falls out of it. Unforgiving. We'll get to that when we get to the love keeps no record of wrongs part of this series. Mean-spirited. Churches are full of these people. And so my friend, Brian says, call me crazy, but I question the salvation of those people. Here's why, he says, because grace changes people. See, this is one of those things in church that we're more than willing to just kind of let it slide because it's just, you know, ah, they're, just, they're just mean. 
Just having a bad day. I find it interesting that in early church history, one of the early church fathers, Tertullian, said this. In his day, Christians were more apt to be known as Christianos than Christianos. Christianos is, means like Christ, right? Christianos is the word for kindness. Tertullian said in his day, the Christian people were marked by the way they were kind to one another. I wonder if anybody would accuse our church of these days being that way. So let me give you a couple of things and I'm done here. Here's another way for us to define this. Love gives the other person the benefit of the doubt. We don't like to do that normally because we like to assign motives to other people. And we've already decided when they do something that's maybe not the way we like it, we already decide what they meant by that. And after all, they're just a jerk. That's why they did that. Well, you know what? Love says that's not necessarily true. Maybe there's something else going on there. And I, because I love you, want to do the kind thing and give you the benefit of the doubt. Let me give you an example of that. This morning... This morning, church, I, I know this, okay? Church for many of us is, for many of you, is just work. We've given you so much stuff to do that when you put your foot on the church campus on Sunday morning, you've got 11 dozen different things that you're supposed to do. And by the time you leave here at the end of the service on Sunday afternoon, you're so tired from working at church. We pack it in. So this morning, I had a, a few things to do, kind of one of those mornings where it was like several things, one after another, after another. And so what happens with me is, is I get tunnel vision when that happens. I was having a discussion with a friend of mine not too long ago, same kind of scenario. I get tunnel vision on that kind of stuff. I, and it's, I, I work at it, okay? I, I'm so task-oriented, like, i got to get this done, and there are going to be people waiting. And so I can get in a mode, and I'm just so focused on where I'm headed that I can walk past 100 people and never know that they were even there. You understand what I mean by that? Here's the problem with that in church. When the preacher does that in church, 95 of those 100 people that he walked past think to themselves, that guy didn't even bother to stop and talk to me. What a jerk. The reality is that doesn't just happen with preachers. That happens with all of us. And so we get busy doing our thing. And other people, now here's where I'm going with this, okay? The kind thing to do might be to give that person the benefit of the doubt. And instead of assuming that they just don't like you and they're being rude to you, maybe the kind thing would be to assume, wow, man, they're busy today and don't take it personally. But you see, we're programmed to do the other way. I mean, after all, I am so important that everybody should stop and talk to me. Love is kind. Love is kindly disposed towards those people. Love showing kindness would never dream of committing character assassination. You know what character assassination is? It's that point of living that says, I'm going to tear them down because they hurt me. Americans, people really, but Americans have find, found incredible ways to assassinate character. The most recent and extremely, see it used to be just the telephone. 
Now, one of the best ways to assassinate somebody's character is to get on Facebook instead of talking to them to fix it and get on Facebook and just let everybody in the world know just how sorry a person that other person is. Love is kind. One of the reasons this is so important for us, several of that I'll give you very quickly here. First of all, life is just more enjoyable when we're kind to people. Nobody really likes being mad all the time. Nobody likes being bitter all the time. It's just more enjoyable if you can be kind with one another. Here's the second one for you. Love builds trust. I've told you before about my wife's dog. Uh, this dog is about the size of a half a loaf of bread, all right? Um, and the way she came into our life, the dog I'm talking about, was she wandered up one day. In the early days, about two and a half years ago now, right after we moved here, Teresa was a stay-at-home mom, not really mom so much as wife, and those she was transitioning, looking for a job, and I was up here working most of the time. And so those days were a little bit tough on her. She was trying to make the transition after 20 years with lifelong friends where we came from and trying to figure out here and fit in and all that kind of stuff. And, and so God sent this little renegade dog to our house. Her name is Pixie. I have to trade in my man card just saying that in public. And when Pixie showed up at our house, she was on the run. She, had, she was one of those street dogs, you know, half the size of, a size of a half a loaf of bread on the run, two other dogs following her around, hounding her in the literal sense of the term. She squeezed, squoze through some of the fence at our house. I don't know how you say squeezed, squoze, squoze. Um, she got into the backyard to get away from the other dogs. She did not know that we had a dog in our backyard who was on crack. And so life for her never got better walking into that backyard. When her life turned around was when Teresa walked into the backyard to see what crack dog was barking about and found this little renegade orphan of a dog. And Teresa pulled her in and she was eating up with fleas and you know, needed a haircut and all of that kind of stuff. And Teresa took her in and began to love on her and all the whole nine yards. And so she runs the house now. When we first got Pixie, and by the way, Teresa tried to find her home. If she was yours, you come try to take her now, I guess. But um, she was skittish with me. I'd walk in the room and she would, you know, kind of hunker down, and it's like all systems on alert because the big guy's coming into the room. You know, I guess if I was that small, I might feel the same way. But for her, it was. And, and then if I would try to talk to her, reach down to her, she would run off. She was afraid. But over a period of time, we've coaxed her out of that. And so now when I sit down, she comes up to me and she wants me to pick her up. And so for some reason, she can't sit in any chair other than my chair. And, and it, so the, the, the difference between two and a half years ago and now is incredible. And the reason it is because I've been kind to her. If every time I walked into the room and she came over to me and I kicked her against the wall on the other side of the room, she would never have time for me, right? See how that fits in church too? Many people just won't come to church. They run away from Christian people because we're often just mean. So being kind builds trust. And it causes people to want to be part of this thing called the church. Ultimately, it's winsome. It causes people to listen to what the good news of the church happens to be.
how do you get it right? Love shows kindness. Well, the first thing is you've got to get it in the right place. This is a very God kind of thing. If we had time, we'd go to Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, what we call the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Somewhere in there is this word, kindness. You know what that means? It means you're not going to work it up on your own. This is a very God kind of word. And the way you get to kindness in your life is you snuggle into the lap of God, you lay your head on the chest of God, and your ear hears the heartbeat of God himself. And as you hear him at that level, you also gain the vantage point of seeing people like he sees them. And because he's kind, he'll build that character into you. Kindness. Love shows kindness. Churches are full of mean people. My suspicion is a church that allows mean people is a church that is destined to die because a world doesn't need to go to church to find mean. Only God's people can be kind like this. Under God, let's that be us. What do you say? Let's pray. As we come to the invitation time, I've asked one of our deacons to come and be here to pray with you. If you come up, we're going to have a baptism to close this service off, and I'm going to go get ready for that. So Brian uh, will be here to pray with you if that's uh, something that you need to do. Here's my invitation to you. If you happen to be able to look backwards in your life and see a pattern of being mean with people to not showing God's kindness my encouragement to you is that you use this invitation time to get it right between you and God first but after that you need to get it right with those people best way for us to experience revival in a church in America in the 21st century is for God's people to get their relationships with each other right so that we can get our relationships with people outside right too. So this invitation is for you, between you and God. Commit yourself as you go into the week ahead. I'm going to, whatever else I do, I want to honor God with my life. And that means I need to be kinder with people. Ask him to build that into you.